0: It's Wednesday, November 9th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 422 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is one hour and 11 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. This is Brodor. All right, so we're continuing from where we left off last time. If you did not hear the previous episode, if you're the booth, if it's your first time joining us for the podcast, we recommend you back up to the prior episode, just so you know what we're talking about. But all right, we are continuing talking about the moral panic that was surrounding D&D that basically went from about the mid to late 1970s through the early to mid-1990s, really peaking throughout the 1980s. And we last time talked about what it was like to live through that period. And now this time, I want to actually get down into a little bit of the the nitty-gritty here because I've, I've got some documents. Interestingly, there are some sites that have done really detailed analyses on what occurred during that period in time. And, you know, keep in mind that in the 1980s, you're sitting really at the front end of the information age. And so people are still getting most of their news from TV, from newspapers, things like that you didn't have the ability to really rapidly research something and then put it on the Internet for the world to see like you have today. And so it was very easy for a lot of misinformation to get said by somebody, repeated by enough people, and pretty soon it's just the truth. That was really going on heavily at the time. And so now, as of today, you can find a lot of information on what was really going on back then that at the time wasn't available. Yeah, like at the time, people thought Thaco was a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And there was nobody there to disabuse them of this. And so, what I, I, what I love about that statement is
1: the fact that we just did two episodes on <laughs> the moral panic of the 1980s and all this
2: historical and
1: religious stuff. I but know, the only I, thing people are going to talk about I, is goddamn Thacko. Thank you, Brodor. So, Thank you. About how so, it was
2: ugly and counterintuitive. Yeah.
3: It's the most controversial thing said on both <laughs> episodes. Yep. <laughs>
1: Damn it! I hate this community. Sorry, no, I love you guys.
0: Continue. You're all Satanists. So, all right, well, what I pulled here—Luciferians, exactly. But yeah. uh, well, right-handed, left-handed <laughs> Satanists. There's, there's actually a bunch. There's a bunch of different types. So, anyways, point being, this show's not about Satanism either. Not um, yet. <laughs> but there were a bunch at the time. A bunch of religious tracts, mm-hmm. non-religious tracts, sixty-minute uh, specials you know, whatever that were getting put out on the topic of why role-playing games were dangerous, you know, or not, mostly, were. And the other side did not get too much
3: representation, did get some. Because they were people in their parents' basements. Not necessarily, actually.
1: No. Um, uh, Michael Stackpole.
3: uh, Yes.
0: Famous RPG author, novelist. He was actually contracted by an organization called Gamma, of which... Somehow I'm a member. And I don't, <laughs> honestly don't know, but there's, there's something called GAM, which is the Game Manufacturers Association, which Broder's familiar with because I believe you've been to some of their meetings in Vegas. I
2: was. I even got elected to the retail division board of directors. Yeah, but I had to and step you, down when I you could, went out to when the when garden I, and did when, the honorable when thing <laughs> when I left. Yeah, exactly. When I left, when I left the fantasy show, and, and yeah. so
0: it, I actually still have press credentials with it. I believe. But Mike Stackpole, who's an, an RPG author, and he's done some video game work as well, uh, he was actually hired or contracted or tasked or whatever by the Game Manufacturers Association. Yeah, and
2: last I had known, he was on
0: the main board of directors for yes. Gamma. Mm-hmm. And so he did a bunch of more detailed research into what had gone on at the time. Now, he's not the only one that did this, but uh, he really kind of set the groundwork for a lot of it. Uh, I I don't want to overstate what he did, but I also don't want to understate it. But there's a lot of good information out there. And, and if I remember, I'll link some of that out of the show notes. But what I'm going to use is an exhibit A, because back in the 1980s, there was a lot of stuff getting cir- circulated around.
3: You know, Dan, I hear somebody wanted to interview Chris Hussey around that time, but they thought he was already too old for anybody to relate to him.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that and that's we're not talking about the 1980s. That was like 1880s, 1780s. <laughs> but <laughs> 80, 80, (laughs) yes, (laughs) AD, BC, whichever. (laughs) But but anyway, the the particular item that I picked, just for the sake of having a point of discussion, was a pamphlet put out by CBN, which is the Christian Broadcast Network. And let me reiterate once again that Mm. this was a cultural thing. So this is not us doing open season on Christianity nor inviting any of you to do so. Um, Nor us proselytizing it either. Nor us proselytizing it either. We're just talking about the history of this is what happened. Draw your own conclusions, okay? But this is a booklet that was put out by CBN called Dungeons & Dragons, Adventure or Abomination. So So this was a a pamphlet put together by Richard White, and it consisted of about eight pages. It's, It's a relatively short read, and you could find PDFs of it online once again. I'll put a link to this in the show notes if you want to read it yourself. We're just going to kind of skim over it here a little bit because some big points I want to hit on here about what was going on because this is what people in at that point in time you know, were thinking about the game. And incidentally, this particular pamphlet, as hostile as it is to role-playing games in my opinion, is by far one of the more fair treatments I have seen. Okay, and, and that's going to be saying a lot once you hear some things that are in here. Imagine someone just kind of with their mouth open, just accepting, you know, blindly whatever anyone's telling them. And there was a lot of credulity regarding the claims about D&D at the time. And so to hear any counterpoint was somewhat rare. But let me start off. I want, I want to read just a little bit of this here. And I'm going to skip around quite a bit. But But here's how it starts. Adventure or abomination, creativity or cruelty, diversion or demonology.
3: Now, first of all, that dichotomy. Yeah, I was say first of all, those are not mutually exclusive. It can be an adventure and an abomination. <laughs> well, all right, let me let me pause
0: right there. Okay, uh, first of all, one of the things that drives me absolutely nuts about people that try to write these like news pieces or whatever. Is seriously, get over the alliteration. It's not that impressive. But uh, that aside, I, mean, I I want you to hear what is being juxtaposed here. Okay, so d what are you supposed to think of it, right? Is it adventure or abomination? Yeah.
1: Now, Okay, I'm not saying... <laughs> uh, there- Thacko, abomination.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying there aren't people out there that are running games that have rather abominable topics or... Yeah, people play Fatal. Yeah, or people play Fatal. Or, you know, Abominable Systems, people play Riffs. But <laughs> the, the the point being that that's a hell of a jump, right? Right. But, but this is what's being put in front of parents and pastors and police. We're going to get to that. But well mean, oh, my gosh, just alliterated myself, parents, <laughs> pastors, and police. <laughs> it wasn't and that impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, brother. You went up something. I don't know what. What did he say? I think I yelled over.
2: I it. said it wasn't that impressive. <laughs> Which is what I said about oh, wow.
0: alliteration a moment ago. But creativity or cruelty? Wow. Gracious. You could be creatively cruel. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys. Okay. Have I seen that one guy or that one situation? Yes. Have I seen widespread behavior at a role-playing table that I would describe on the level of genuine cruelty.
3: Absolutely. I wouldn't stay sitting there. No. i yeah, deal
0: with it. Right. Diversion, which I'll certainly accept, or demonology. Huh that's wow. You know, I mean, okay, this, but keep in mind, this is not
1: talking about like a demonology knowledge. They're talking about like Alistair Crowley,
2: 72 goetic demons. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We are not the target audience of this
0: pamphlet. Right. All right. But this, but I want you to understand that well-meaning people who just don't know any better. This is what's being put in front of them. And by the way, if there is, if, if there's a message that I can give you out of this, not just about the past, about the present and the future. It's don't accept just at face value what people tell you. We live in an age where information is so broadly accessible. And I know right now a lot of you are probably nodding, thinking, yeah, if only that other group would do that. Hmm. No, I'm talking about you and your beliefs. I'm talking about me and my beliefs, right? Go out there, check this stuff. Don't accept even your own prejudices and predispositions. And yes, I just alliterated again.
3: <laughs> He's only read a few lines and it's already infecting him.
0: <laughs> this is rotting my brain. All right, but l- l- let me skim down this here a little bit. So, okay. So there's, there's a short intro paragraph there and they go, they give a quick history of the game. Sold since 1974 by TSR incorporated of Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. For anyone who didn't know us where Gen Con got its name, it's from Lake Geneva. Dungeons and Dragons also continues to fill the coffers. Now, for anyone who thinks role playing is a big money business, <laughs> you are wildly out of your mind. <laughs> the latest annual income for this product tops $18 million. Now, I don't know how much, which probably. I mean, like, maybe. Well, maybe in total for a revenue. Company, yeah. And probably like $5 is profit. <laughs> with, with an estimated 4 million players in the US, I think that's high, but whatever, uh, says Dieter Sturm, Director of Corporate Relations for TSR. The financial power of the game grew from an initial $2,000 investment to sales of $4 million in 1979. Called, get this, Dungeons & Dollars by the press, the game became the champion fad on college campuses. Cool. Uh, Go Gary. (laughs) Okay, now That is really an overinflated... But you know what? what? On top of that, wouldn't you think that, like, if somebody took a $2,000 investment and turned it into a $4 million... Now, just, this is 1979 $4 million, okay? So, you know, Austin Powers, like, $1 million thing. All right, this this is, like, different time money. Um, That's, like, actually a pretty good success story. Dungeons and yeah. Dollars, give me a freaking break. Anyway, here's where we're going to get into where the panic started to come from. All right, so once again, this is what's being put in front of your parents. Controversy simmered during the early years of the game's history and then boiled over after James D. Egbert, an ardent D&D player, disappeared from the Michigan State University campus on August 15, 1979. The 16-year-old computer whiz was found a month later. Although the disappearance was said to be unrelated to his obsession with D&D, Egbert's suicide one year later provoked national media scrutiny of the game. Let me stop right here. We're going to talk about James Egbert. Because incidentally, there are two stories that fed the steam tunnel thing. This is one of them. The other one is even less exciting than this one. All right. Oh, but you're going to alliterate the hell out of this. I'm going to try not to.
3: <laughs> as I talk about
0: the sassery and unsavory
3: <laughs> subductions
0: of the steam tunnels
1: <laughs> but
0: anyway, <laughs> uh, listen to a whole hour of um, you doing that alright <laughs> so controversy severed during the early years of the game's history then boiled over after James D. Egbert and Arden D&D player disappeared from Michigan State University campus now that did happen but let's talk about what really was occurring there alright so they link it to D&D but they leave out a whole bunch of crap in the middle so here's what actually happened now, you did hear that age correctly. James Dallas Egbert III is his full name. That's a terrible name,
3: by Egbert, the way. Are this you kidding? That's amazing.
2: <laughs> that, that sounds like a dude who's, who's a computer
0: whiz and in college at 16. No, that sounds like a
3: Batman villain. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> and? One of you is correct. He was a computer whiz, and because of the fact that he was an expert with computers, he was indeed admitted into college at the age of 16. You already read that part. I cheated. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in 1962, died in 1980 uh prior to his birthday he was admitted into college at the age of 16 died at the age of 17 what happened to this guy
1: there's a lesson kids never go to college
0: well more than that i think and i say this as someone who was actually put into school a year early. i have a birthday that fell upon a, a break point in the years which meant that i was either going to be the youngest kid in my class or the oldest and they gave me a state intelligence test and the state decided to admit me into school early. Yeah, Same thing happened. And and I don't think that's entirely a bad thing. But what I would say is if you think there's already something askew here about him being out of place socially, you're on a pretty good track. All right. So what actually happens here is he did participate in a Dungeons and Dragons game. It is true. He did play d d he was in college at the age of 16 because of the fact that he was an expert in computers. All right, and we're talking here like 1978, 1979, 1980. All right, computer science, you know, we're on the cusp of the information age, right? And he does get admitted into college early. But what happens is from there, he disappears off of the college campus. And the parents end up hiring an individual by the name of William Deere, who is a private investigator to look into finding their son. Now, William Deere found a bunch of things in the course of his investigation. Okay, he's a PI. He found a whole bunch of things in the course of his private investigation that he buried for several years. Now, lest you think too poorly of Mr. Deere... The reason that he did that was keep in mind that he was hired by the family, right? So there's a certain amount of intimacy and privilege that goes along with that. And so his findings were meant for their purposes, and he did not actually release his true findings until several years later. And in that vacuum, the parents, it appears, okay, let me put in here, we are press and allegedly and blah, 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 but it appears misrepresented a lot of what was going on because of the fact that they apparently did not want to deal with the reality of what was going on. So what they come to find out is that there were, in fact, a group of people that were playing D&D at his college, which he apparently had been involved in, and that at some point they had entered into the steam tunnels that were there beneath the university and they were basically using the steam tunnels as a stand in for the dungeon that they were exploring. They're just trying to immerse themselves. This was an early form of LARPing, so I do agree that was dangerous and antisocial behavior. <laughs> but you know what? They were in the steam tunnels not dead. I'm, I'm being facetious for anyone who's. New to the show, I mean, facetious. And you know they weren't furries,
1: at least, because you're not going
0: to take your fur suit into a sewer. No, no. Come on, those things are expensive. Absolutely not. You don't want to come out of there smelling like rainwater and fart. (laughs) So, But, all right. So what happens then is he disappears, all right? And he leaves behind a note and also a bunch of pins that mark out a pattern. Now keep in mind, like stick pins, you stick. In yes, the like okay. thumbtacks stuck into a corkboard. Now keep in mind, this is a child prodigy who's very good at math, very good at rational thinking, very good at computer science, and as best as this private investigator William Deere, was able to figure out, and in fact, I believe that actually before his death, uh, this kid James Dallas Egbert like III actually did uh, confirm that what he had left behind was basically a sort of puzzle pointing to his location. Now, what he had actually done was he was not involved in D&D at this time. What he complained about was loneliness, depression. He's a 16-year-old in college. He felt immense parental and social pressure. And by the way, he was also addicted to drugs. He was not, at the time of this incident, actively playing D&D. He did go to the steam tunnels where they had played D&D, but he was not there as part of the D&D game he most likely went to them because he was familiar with them. And incidentally, he did not die there. He went down there and consumed what we would know as quaaludes, hoping to commit suicide down there by himself. It didn't happen. He simply knocked himself out, woke up the following day, and then decided to go into hiding at a friend's house. He's now out of these steam tunnels, so he's not only not with his D&D group, He's not even in the place where they played D&D, but instead he disappears to a friend's house. Now, about this time, because of the fact that nobody knows where he is and the parents are starting to freak out, a couple newspapers pick up on this and they start basically circulating the story because they're looking for anything to blame that what's going on here is D&D cult activity. That's not what's occurring at all. This kid who's basically crumbling under social pressure, disappeared to those steam tunnels because he was familiar with them, was trying to commit suicide by quaaludes in private, failed... And then slinked off to a friend's house. And so they continue searching around for him for several weeks. And during this time, William Deere comes up with a list of about 8 or 10 different theories on what might have happened to him. And those theories ran the whole gamut from he may have committed suicide to given his high intelligence and the fact that he was taking drugs it's possible that one of these drug dealers or distributors or cartels may have grabbed him to basically start running books for them. That he may be possibly being held hostage or, shall we say, employed against his will.
1: But he, he they kidnapped him so he could run D and D for
0: them. Exactly. That's precisely <laughs> it. Oh my god! And what he ended up doing was he bounced around a bit before finally hopping a bus and leaving the city for New Orleans where he discovered Vampire the Masquerade. (laughs) (laughs) No, that, 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 yeah, he died before that. I know. Lucky guy. Um, But (laughs) anyways, uh, so he gets to New Orleans and makes a second suicide attempt using a cyanide compound. So he fails that suicide attempt as well. He then moves to Morgan City, Louisiana and starts working at an oil field as basically a laborer. After a couple days on the job, he then calls the private investigator, William Deer, and says, by the way, this is where I am. But when they met up, Egbert asked the investigator to conceal the true story, because basically he didn't want it to become a family scandal. And Deer agrees and released Egbert to the custody of his uncle, a guy by the name of Dr. Marvin Gross. This is on September 13th of 1979. Now, mind you, he first went disappearing on... August 15th of 1979, okay? So we're now talking about a month later. Now, a full year later, August 16th of 1980, Egbert finally dies of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. That's what actually happened. Incidentally, his life story may very well have been the inspiration for the movie Mazes and Monsters. Now, I want you to compare the story I just told you to what the movie mazes and monsters portrays right this was a person who was deeply troubled who was not he'd had played D in his past but he went down a very negative course ran away made multiple failed attempts at suicide was chad as you described before was isolated was basically mm-hmm. alone was disconnected from most of his family but eventually commit suicide successfully about a year later with a self-inflicted gunshot wound nowhere near the steam tunnels that's what actually went down in that situation but i want you to hear again the way that Didn't this was
1: a private investigator well, write a book about the whole he story? did later. it was called
0: like it's called the dungeon master i believe is yeah. the name of the book but he did actually write a book about it basically saying this is what actually happened but, and, but what happened was because he agreed to stay quiet for several years the media, and I believe some of his family, filled that vacuum with their own narrative that pinned this back on D&D. All right, now we're going to get to another big story that pushes this, this whole this thing. This is
2: like saying that if I killed myself, it was the fault of Mario Kart, because I played Mario Kart a couple times. Okay, no, because somebody threw that goddamn
0: blue turtle shell at you. <laughs> no, that'd be murder, not suicide. <laughs> so, Brother, let me give you a simple human truth. Now, once again, I am not judging his parents. I don't know his parents. I don't know his family. But I'm just going to just describe what I've observed about humans in general. There's one thing that we love. There's one thing that I think, quite frankly, we need to function. And that's someone or something to blame. And the farther that is from us, the stranger and more foreign it is, the more comfortable we are with it. If someone in your life commits suicide, and you're not exactly a terribly psychologically healthy person yourself, you may not be capable of looking in the mirror and saying, maybe I played some role in this. It's a whole lot easier to drag out suicide solution. The rock song was an album. I forget which
3: to drag Ozzy
0: song. Right? Yeah, it was an Ozzy song to drag out some D D books and say, this did it. It gets a whole lot easier. Sure. And when you go through these stories, that's the pattern that, to me, appears emergent again and again and again. But once again, now that you've heard the story, I want you to pretend you don't know any of this information, right? You're one of those authority figures back in the early 1980s. Good thing
3: I've been ignoring Dan all this time.
0: Makes this easier. <laughs> and here's what it says. Controversy simmered during the early years of the game's history, then boiled over after James D. Egbert, an ardent D&D player. Mind you, a year away from this game at least. I don't think I've ever met an ardent
3: D&D player. I have. Yeah, I have too.
0: Disappeared from the Michigan State University campus on August fifteenth, nineteen 1979. The 16-year-old computer whiz was found a month later, although his disappearance was said to be unrelated to his accession with D&D. Egbert's suicide one year later. Notice how they slip. They just slide. Right there. From his disappearance to his suicide, right? One year later, provoked national media scrutiny of the game. No mention here of the fact that the guy was drug addicted. The fact that he was under immense social pressure. Back the that fact that he th- didn't play d The fact that he was incredibly depressed. Uh, he left behind some emo sort of poems. I mean, the point being, notice how all that gets left out. And then they go right back. They jump straight from that. This is the next line. This exposure... Look at this! All right, this is some seriously sick stuff. This exposure proved to be a windfall for TSR. Sales more than doubled to eight point nine million in nineteen eighty. Wow! Wow! So, Go Gary, that's why everyone's out buying D and D, right? Because James Egbert because James a. goes out there and kills himself, and incidentally, he did not kill himself until late nineteen eighty. So how that drove a fiscal year of double sales when he didn't even kill himself until 11 months after being found. Dan, that is the satanic power of d and I just can't help but have this vivid
2: image of a Dragon Magazine <laughs> ad with this dead kid slumped
0: over a desk <laughs> yeah. Yeah. with a smoking gun. Dungeons and Dragons. Let me, you you <laughs> Let me give you the next line after that. Let me give you the next line after that. Look at the character assassination, or what looks to me, allegedly, like character <laughs> assassination here. Okay? The quest for treasure, often the object of the game itself, was intensified by the manufacturers when they began advertising in the school library journal and hired Dr. Joyce Brothers to tout the benefit of the game to school administrators in an 18-city tour of the United States. Did they so, really? I believe so, but, but I want you yeah. to look at this. We went from, this kid disappeared... To a year later, he kills himself. No mention of of anything there except D&D. Question mark, question mark. Profit? Suddenly, the game doubles to $8.9 million in 1980. And the quest for treasure... So, right, they're just getting fat off of people's suicides, and that exposure is making them money. And so in that quest for treasure, which is the driving factor behind the game, they go out and try to sell the game to more people.
3: You Mm. know, I would say sales increased because people were buying it so they would know what to complain about. But everything I'm seeing seems to indicate that, no, the people complaining have never actually opened a book or a box. At yeah. That time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. So I'm going to skip past them. So if anyone wants to know, we'll link this to show notes. You can, you can read it yourself, but I, I want to skip ahead here to a couple other things. And they start quoting from the book. All right. So the, the sexual swords and sorcery. So what did they bought one book? <laughs> what is D and D? The answer depends on whom you talk with. Quote, Swords and Sorcery best describes what this game is all about. For those are the two key fantasy ingredients. For Gygax and the Introduction to the Official Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Players Handbook. The 126-page book that sells for $13.95. Wow, what a different time. Give me a role-playing book nowadays and a PDF for $13.95. But, so I decided... 1980? though this one was published... This was the. I did not actually print that page. I, I don't know what the publication date on this was. Let's we'll say nineteen seventy. It, it was. It was AD&D. It was the first run of AD&D. We'll just say nineteen seventy. So it's the official ad d player's handbook. I, I don't
1: thirteen know.
0: ninety five. Yeah, I don't know what year that was. I don't have that. The copyright page printed. We'll say
1: nineteen seventy nine. Hundred. How many pages? One hundred twenty six. One hundred twenty six pages. Yeah. Thirteen ninety five. Yes. Nineteen seventy nine. Hmm.
0: Or there. I don't know.
1: 46.39 dollars 39 that's about right Most RPG books yes. nowadays go for about 40 50 bucks yeah but they're hardcover and have like yeah. a lot more pages and actual decent
0: art true and good layout and <laughs> you mean this don't have that go? this isn't good layout <laughs> <laughs> two columns tiny print all right so I what I did was in a thousand houses they start quoting from what is written in the intro of this book okay so what I did is I went and I pulled the section of the book they're quoting from. This is called research, right? It's really, It's not all that hard to do these days. Did
1: you pull this off the internet? I did. Yeah. They had the internet in 1979. Why didn't they go and use it? <laughs>
0: well, barely, but the, this I've, probably wasn't on the internet. Well, the point no, is no. you could have gone down to Checkered Fly and gotten a copy of this, right? All right, so here's here's what they quote. And this quote is accurate, by the way, but I want to show you what they do here. So the quote they give here after that $13.95 price point is, quote, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons is a world, it reads. A fantasy role-playing game is an exercise in imagination and personal creativity. Put some ellipses. The game lets all of your fantasies come true. All of them. This is a world where monsters, dragons, good and evil high priests, fierce demons, and even the gods themselves banter your character's life. Okay, now I want you to hear those two quotes and the way that they're run together. I want to show you now where they're actually from. Okay, so we start off with Advanced Dungeons and Dragons is a world. It reads, okay, that's the quote. A fantasy role-playing game is an exercise in imagination, personal creativity. Some ellipses, like we just dropped a few words here. The game lets all your fantasies come true. Now, here's the actual page from the book. Advanced Dungeons and Dragons is a world. Of course, the world is not complete. It needs organizers and adventurers to order and explore It needs you. A fantasy role-playing game is an exercise in imagination and personal creativity. Now, I want you to know where that is on the page. For those of you at home, this is tiny type in two columns. Okay, so there's a lot of words here. Several hundred words. Maybe even a thousand words. I I don't know. Between these two quotes. This is on the middle. Well, how many words in 1979 is a thousand (laughs) in words? But but if if you look at at this right here, right? Okay, so you can see this is on the middle of the left column. All right? Where it picks up again is here, the it's middle like of the one, right two, column, three, many paragraphs, paragraphs yeah. later. Those three little ellipses that leaves out a full column of text about two thirds, maybe about, I guess, uh, maybe 60% of it from the left side of the page, yeah. 40% of it from and what's the right it about? side. Of the page. It's about
1: like imagination, and this is a game, yep. and you use the it. The it's,
0: it's not real, right? Eh.
2: Don't kill
1: yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: It's it, are bad. It, yeah, it basically <laughs> starts, that's what it's describing. is Cyanide. It, it talks about how it's imaginative. It talks about how you have to fill it out yourself. We're not going to tell you what's in it. That's for you to decide. There's a lot of quandary in it. It's a great place to explore different themes. It even talks about how the life and death of your, death of your character is really just its imagination. It's just story and exploration. And then picks up, again, a full column later with This game lets all of your fantasies come true. And that comes after, incidentally, all of this description of, here's the different scenarios you could explore. Here's the different things you could do. So, hey, theoretically, this game lets you explore all of your fantasies. They leave that out. That entire column is left out under three ellipses. Jerks. Yeah. Alleged jerks. Alleged jerks, (laughs) theoretically, in my opinion. But anyway, so here we go. Winston Matthews, a lawyer practicing in Hayes, Virginia, ran unsuccessfully for the Republican nomination for state attorney. Let me tell you right now, if you're in the 1980s running as a Republican on an anti-D&D platform, you got issues if you can't get elected. <laughs> <laughs> That's not political. That's just truth. All That's right, it's good Southern cooking. So here's his quote. So you guys, I'm assuming everyone listening to this podcast has probably played D&D or a role-playing game. Here's what he has to say. Quote, the essence of D&D is violence, he yes. says. He's correct. It teaches Satan worship, spell casting, witchcraft, murder, rape, suicide, mm. and assassination along the way. So the essence is violence. But while we're on our way to learning violence, and by the way, I'm not sure how it seems to be like you need violence to do most of these things. But on our way to violence, so before we get to violence, we're going to pass by worshiping Satan, casting spells, witchcraft. Murder, rape, suicide, and assassination. Now, I don't know how
3: you passed by suicide on your way to anything. Well, i obviously, <laughs> like, obviously it didn't do a good job teaching it, cause it took three tries.
2: <laughs> all I know is that when I get resurrected,
0: <laughs> I've got a hankering for some rape <laughs> <laughs> you know, and i'm I'm the same way. I tell you I, I, I'm, not, I'm not all the way there to violence yet, but I've gotten past the suicide. I tried that out, you know. The Dun, demonology, the witchcraft is done. There. Me some Satan worship. Yeah. And and here's uh, after that blindside. But G.S.R. Sturm says D&D is a healthy exercise for players' imaginations and skills. And by the way, this is why I well, call Look how this,
1: imaginative that politician is.
0: Uh, I've got to say, this guy must be a D&D player because that's some hella imagination there. But this is why I call this one of the more fair hearings I saw of DD from that period of time, is because they actually at least do allow a counterpoint. Okay, so here's the quote from Mr. Sturm. The game is built on fun and play. By using skills such as problem-solving, reading, mathematics, imagination, and cooperation among players, you play against the game, not against other players. It's entertainment. It's make-believe. It's recreation, says Sturm. It's storytelling. Doesn't Doesn't that sound a little more like the hobby you're into?
1: No, mine is more like, suicide and and Satanism yeah. and i mean
0: i crap. good uh, how many games have we committed suicide i, know. I mean, you know just well and the thing that we really just ch- passed the shotgun around no uh, paladins or clerics worship satan
2: right as a general rule people play the good guys they, and they, fight
1: evil i think it even says that in the book is that you're supposed to be the
0: good guy well i like how it specifically said the the essence of deity is violence but that's true. Which is it, okay. That is arguably true because role playing games are about conflict, and we tend to
3: do that through.
2: Well, in D anD D is ninety. No. You got to kill something Fine. to take its stuff and get the XP, <laughs> right? Stop, but stop it's stop a,
3: talking to my XP. It, not just it
2: contains.
0: <laughs> it teaches Satan worship, spell casting, witchcraft. Okay, so murder, wait, wait, those, rape, those three, suicide. Things. There's like a play-by-play of how to do all these things in real life somewhere in this book that I just didn't see. I don't know where that is in the 126 pages, but there's apparently diagrams on how to kill yourself, and I don't know why that's at the midpoint. Did they get a copy of Fatal by mistake? <laughs> Fatal
1: went back in time. That's that's your writing prompt, Wayne. I want you to write me 10,000 words on this about how Fatal was sent back in time to the 1979. And this big moral panic is not about D&D, it's about fatal. And they're <laughs> right,
2: they are correct, they just got the name wrong. I noticed that I was, uh, I, I recently watched the movie The Witch, and, you know, no spoilers, but when a character actually signs their name into the devil's book, it's actually the player's handbook from, from uh, AD&D. Is it yeah. really? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious. hilarious. That would we're going to do a l-
1: Damn it, now I want to make an indie movie. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with role-playing games. It just has that little... You know, the D&D is kind of taped out, but... I want to read you a, a little
3: bit more here. Okay, so... Uh, uh, and when they're signing it, they mm-hmm. have to pick their class. Are they going to be a wizard where they actually have to study the book? Or a sorcerer where they just get know these abilities?
0: Alright, so we're now going to get to... I'm going to skip past a bunch of stuff. There's some really quality content here, but I, for time's sake, I'm going to skip over it. Once again, if you want to read this yourself, check the show notes. But I'm going to skip over this to what really became the... Jack Chick was not the foremost face of the panic against d d Now, he wrote he's just one, the funniest. He Darth, wrote one. He wrote track. one track, yeah. which in the internet age has gotten a lot of mileage because of the fact that his organization makes the vast majority of his tracks, I believe all of them maybe, available online for free so you can still go check that circus out you still buy them yeah you can actually still buy them we, we, i was actually looking into buying a, like a, a thing of a thousand of them because C- you can like custom stamp the backs so as they have them all stamped yeah. with fear the boot Fear the boot.com yeah, we're gonna give of them stuff. out at gen con i, I think <laughs> that's genius the, but... the
2: only
1: reason we did didn't do it is because of the cost yeah I cost mean, it was too like much. this is a funny joke this is not a 300 hundred dollar funny joke
0: Yeah, if if I get the price down, I don't know. Now these dead is like a clearance. I I gotta look into this. Anyway, did you know they made? Sounds like it sounds like
2: Patreon money to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right,
1: so here here we go. This well, to interject real quick, they some people made a movie about Darkest Dungeon or Dark Dungeon or whatever the hell it's called. They they and they tried to deadpan it more or less. Sort of.
3: They what I understand is a
1: authorized. It's it's authorized. They went to. Jack Chick Publishing, they worked with their uh, their spokespeople and whatnot, and they convinced them that this is a serious movie. We're not making fun of it, but it is a reenactment of the what happened in the track. People are in costumes, all that sort of stuff. It, it And when they act, I haven't seen it, but when they act out, they're, they're not cracking jokes. They're not being ironic. It is a serious movie. Now it's a poorly acted,
0: poorly made indie movie, but the nonetheless. All right. So this next part, what we're going to get to is, while Jack Chick was perhaps the most well-known, most visible of this era, looking backward, in my mind, the real driving force behind what was going on, specific with role-playing game Panic, came primarily from a woman by the name of Patricia Pulling. And Pulling wrote something called, but she wrote a variety of things, She also wrote, incidentally, a guide, a handout, a flyer, that I actually have a copy of right here that was distributed to law enforcement at the time to help them recognize satanic cults forming in their communities and break them up. And I know this hit home because there was a specific one of these things that became a big to do because of some graffiti in a neighborhood of the St. Louis Metro area called Saint Anne. And so, all right, it's
2: where my wife grew up.
0: Yes, and she
2: a Satanist.
0: No, uh, but she
2: didn't start gaming until she met me.
0: But now she's... thats Satanist. not actually true. And then she got shot six times by her DM. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> but all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read here. What they're quoting is that they allege here that they're quoting from. Legends and lore an older DD rule book. I didn't grab a copy of that, so I'll just take this at face value. But they start running through a bunch of stuff, and one of the things we're quoting here, I don't know how to context, because once again, we have these wonderful little ellipses, and I don't know how much they're actually leaving out because this one I didn't pull. But it says the cleric should, is, so we're talking about clerics here, it says the cleric should also freely undertake the performance of exceptional duties. Dot, dot, dot. Don't know how many pages got dropped there. And voluntary martyrdom. Like, that's a phrase that doesn't need any context. All right. So now we skip down to a new section called suicides. And we're now talking about Patricia Pulling. All right. So Pulling's 16-year-old son, Irving Bink Lee. uh, Bink is his nickname. So his real name is Irving Lee Pulling. That's a serial killer name. (laughs) Became one of those voluntary martyrs in 1982. On June 9th of that year, Susan Peckett, a teacher of a class Bink Pulling attended for talented and gifted students at Patrick Henry High School in Montpelier, Virginia, allegedly invited Scott Hutchinson, a dungeon master and English teacher at the school, to her class. Hutchinson allegedly led the class in a D&D campaign, during which he delivered a written curse to Bink Pulling. The curse said that Pulling's character's soul belonged to Hutchinson, who would direct it to become an evil killer.
1: Oh, come on. That's metagaming. <laughs>
0: That's, well, I'll get to the. that. Yeah, is, that is hilarious, but it, it's worse than metagaming. Before Bink Pulling left school, Patricia Pulling says, he cleaned his locker and brought home various DD books and other occult writings. He dumped these materials on the kitchen table, allowing his parents to and see them. For, other occult writings. Yeah, whatever that is. And allowed his allowing his parents to see them for the first time. Now, First of all, sounds about parents are dialed into his life. Mm-hmm. But secondly, uh, actually in later statements, they said they did not find the D and D material until after his death. So they actually contradict themselves the way I understand the story. Allegedly. Th- allegedly.
3: Well, And the way that's written, D and D books and other occult. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. This gets better. He then went to his room,
0: wrote a suicide note, put a gun to his heart and shot himself. All right. Now that much, that last part that's agreed upon real history. Now, let me tell you a couple of places where, the events, as they're reported by other people, deviate from Patricia Pulling's telling of the story. You're saying there's not journalistic integrity in this writing? Yeah, believe it or not. So, first of all, it was later stated, allegedly, whatever, that they actually did not see any of his d and material until after his death. Secondly, the other players in the D&D campaign that he was involved in said that, During that game session, there was no curse placed upon his character, much less some kind of spooky written note from the teacher to the student uh, saying that somehow he was now taking possession of his soul. All right. But but here's this is now a quote from Patricia Pulling. And by the way, I'm getting to the really good part here in a second quote. He felt doomed by the curse, his mother said. Now, mind you, he walked home, dumped these books out, barely said anything, and then, according to them, put the pistol to his heart and shot himself. Okay, but somehow, quote, he felt doomed by the curse, his mother said. In his writings to us, he said he thought he was supposed to kill someone else. The curse did not say to kill himself, but since he could not kill my husband, myself, or my daughter, I guess he couldn't bring himself to do it supposedly, allegedly, which I don't, I don't buy any of this, the only way to destroy this evil was to kill himself. Occult paraphernalia found in the room after his death, books, pictures, and symbols, indicated his fascination with the dark side of Supernatural. All right, get a load of this, all right? Just use a tiny, tiny bit of critical thinking, and I want to see if anyone here, anyone playing the home game, can immediately pick out the major issue in what I'm about to read. Medieval weapons found under his bed revealed his identification with the fighter-slash-magic-user character he played in the D&D campaigns. Quote, The game tells you to make your own weaponry, said Pat Pulling. He could have killed the whole family in our sleep with these things. Huh. Now, for a minute, put aside the fact that there's no instructions in the D&D Player's Handbook on how to forge medieval weaponry.
2: Right, or that you're telling you that your character should forge their own weapons. Okay.
0: I'm still stuck on fighter-slash-magic-user. Okay, but mm. even that aside. There's a bigger hole in all this. Quote, Alright, we're going back here. Medieval weapons found under his bed revealed his identification with the character he played in the D&D campaign. Okay. Okay, that. Patricia Pulling's quote. The game tells you to make your own weaponry, said Pat Pulling. It doesn't. He could have killed the whole family in our sleep with these things. And, uh, quote. and could have done that with kitchen implements too, but... Let's back up. How did the he, pistol that he shot himself with. Patricia uh, Pulling's <laughs> pistol. <yeah>. He <laughs> killed himself with his mom's gun. Right. Mm, his was... mom is sitting here blaming <laughs> D and f-ing D for the fact that he was hiding medieval weapons that theoretically he could have killed the whole family with. But mind you, he walked in the door, grabbed mom's gun, and blew his heart out of his f-ing chest. You want to talk about a little bit of projection here? You want to talk about a little bit of allegedly not dealing with your own shit? I sh-? want to oh. know how he made the weapons. He didn't make the weapons, he probably <laughs> got them from. Good God! Some cheap replica. Store. They did the
2: same yeah. thing that we would do with kids. We would take a we would take a log like a, like mm-hmm. a, a mm-hmm. stick that we could swing like a sword. You'd drive a couple nails into it to make a hand guard, and then you'd grab the duct tape and you would duct tape the whole thing up so you had your sword. Yeah, I'd be in really impressed
3: if he's and forging, forging his, his own sword. sword. He's in,
2: he's in, he's in <laughs> the garage with his anvil. Yeah, I mean so. that's some skill. And, and
3: incidentally,
0: there are a couple of these suicides that are attributed to D anD. D and you can find details on many of them. Some of them, there's not a lot of information known because there weren't a lot of witnesses surrounding the event, which right there ought to tell you something. D&D is a social activity, right? I mean, why is are these things happening in such isolation?
3: I want to interject something real sure. quick, just because we've been making a lot of jokes about these. I would throw this out there now. These are all tragedies. Yes. Okay. These well, are children that have were basically, they needed help. They yes. didn't get it. And these are horrible things that happen. And then it was blamed on d Yes.
0: But, Wayne, let me
1: well, back up. it was up. blamed on d d by parents who are not handling the
3: reality of the situation. Because their kid died. Exactly. Right. And, I just wanted to interject that. Because yes. we've done a lot of jokes about this. And I know this is a very serious topic for all of us. Yes. When it comes to mental health issues. And, and, so. and
0: when I think you are absolutely correct. When you look at these stories, what infuriates me... And now having enough years between these events and today, I can sort of have a dark humor about yeah. is the way that D&D was so broadly and literally demonized for these events that I'm saying some harsh things. But having said that, let me pause here to give the context that, number one, my heart really does go out to these parents. Patricia Polling, who instantly is now deceased. She died in the late 90s, I believe, from cancer.
3: And to the children that didn't get the help they needed. You know, I'm not happy about what she did
0: to our subculture. I'm not happy about the things that she set into motion that affected my life and my socialization and my mental health because of the misinformation that was given to the people that had authority over me. But having said that, what occurred here is very real. Precious human lives who had troubles they didn't know how to cope with were snuffed out by children who believed they didn't have hope, they didn't have a way forward, and they, they gave up and they gave in. And parents were left behind, where as much as I might be annoyed with them about what they said about DNA and what they said about the subculture and, and all this kind of stuff, my heart really does go out to them because there is nothing funny. There is nothing that you know it' it's not like the realization that their kid killed themselves for a different reason somehow erases the fact that their kid killed themselves right that's that's not funny that's not happy that's not a victory lap that's a horrible and tragic event and for any of you that are involved in our hobby or not, I don't care who you are if you're listening to this and you see someone who's isolated, who's a loner, who's depressed, who's struggling, reach out to them. And if you don't see it, talk to them. Talk to your friends. Keep some tabs on them. You know, find out who's in your life that maybe doesn't know how to ask for help. Because the fact is that it may be funny to me in a sick sort of way that D&D got blamed for things D&D didn't do. It's not funny to me that Patricia Pulling's kid put a pistol to his heart and pulled the trigger. That's that's not funny. That's not happy, right? That's terrible. And that needs to never happen again. And I hope everyone listening to this will take that seriously. And if you are that person, if you have that struggle, talk to somebody. You know, there are there are hotlines you can call, there are hotlines you can text. If you're afraid to call somebody, just go into Google and type in text suicide help. There are helplines you can text if you're afraid to talk to somebody. You can anonymously text these people and say, I'm having some troubles. If you can't talk to anybody else, friend me on Facebook and send me a PM. I'll talk to you. Don't make these choices. I don't think D&D is the reason. I don't think demons coming from your dungeon master are the reason. But Wayne, you're absolutely correct. The absurdity of this from a social standpoint does not erase the human tragedy. I'm sorry I got so heavy, but don't don't apologize. Not for that.
3: No. Yeah, I felt it needed to be said, because like I said, we've been joking about it a lot, but I know how deeply we all feel about the topic. And it's one of those things that, yeah, everyone has moments of dark humor. I love dark humor, but don't want anyone to think that we actually...
0: Now, I want to close this one out by reading something to you. This was the handout that was passed around police departments, law enforcement, okay? So this is not on its surface, at least, a a religious item, okay? But this was written up by Patricia Pulling's group. and And this document is entitled, The Who, What, When, Where, and How of Teen Satanism, all right? So if you're a kid in this time period, and you have parents, or you have religious people, or you have law enforcement, that might genuinely be concerned about you, right? They're, they're not necessarily bad people. Or maybe they are. Maybe they're judgmental jackasses. But they're not necessarily that. They might really care about you. But this is what people like Pauline were telling them to look for in you. This is how they were deciding you were into something satanic. So let's start off with a who. Adolescents from all walks of life. So everybody <laughs> of a certain age. Yeah. Yep. Many from middle to upper class families.
1: Hmm. Well, that narrows it down
0: a little. Intelligent. Get a little this one. Over or underachievers. Mm. <laughs> now we're back well, that to everybody. Sounds like my yeah. friends.
3: So as long, yeah. as, as long as you're just coasting. Yeah. Um, well, one okay. parent thinks the kid's average.
0: Every parent is yeah. either like my kid's yeah. the best, or I am disappointed. As long as you're young and money. Dude, Here we go. We're continuing with these these great qualities. To look for creative or curious.
1: Mm. Got to squash <laughs> that out, kids.
0: Right. These
2: these these. Upper middle class nonconformists.
0: <laughs> Ready for this one, Remember, We're talking about teenagers. Some are rebellious. <laughs> what? Huh? Uh, some have low self. Some was it, have low self esteem and are loners. Now, chat point out: How the hell do you play DD by yourself? Right. I mean, that's. though so apparently that's what happened. There, there's a panel in that Jack Chick track, mm-hmm. Dark Dungeons. That we are talking about, I think it was on Facebook. Maybe it was on the forums. So I think it was Facebook. And I and another guy got going back and forth about how this one panel really baffles us. Because when the girl that plays Blackleaf is about to hang herself, the other girl that plays, I think it's Elstar uh, or something like that, is playing D&D at the time. And she's sitting there at the table. There's even like a DM screen up, right? Mm-hmm. But she's not behind it. She's like to the side of it by herself. And... The dungeon master's like on the phone. She's like, hey, it's your friend. And she sounds kind of distraught. And she's like, well, I can't talk to her right now. I'm killing the zombie. Now, first of all, the zombie. And it's capitalized. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't aware there's only one. Secondly, you got to be pretty low level. if That's like a major fight. And third, there's no game master at the table. The game master screen is there, but she's just sitting by herself. Like know, Satan's the game master. I was, was going to say that she's, she's just running. sitting there hey. off by herself fighting the zombie. I don't even know how you do this, but I will say this.
1: actually, she is very high level because she started with Aarakocra. (laughs)
3: True.
0: But I will say this as a game master, I want you guys to know that it is totally my belief that if at any point I just got up, left the table, and said, you know what, players, you guys figure out the next scene out, I would not be surprised if I came back to Satanism and mass suicide. It it would just be absolute hysteria. I can't leave you guys alone for 30 seconds. I think
2: it's important that she was killing the zombies. She was killing patient zero. She had to ensure that the outbreak did not occur. She's She's a a hero. hero.
0: (laughs) She is. Anyway, but apparently they did think you could do this as a loner. Some children have been abused, physically or sexually. Should I ask the obvious question? (laughs) By whom? No, let's blame D and D. It's easier. That's where my fascination. This gets better. Let's start. This, <laughs> this just keeps getting better. When does this occur? It appears the ages most vo- it appears. Okay, we have Allegedly. no basis for this. Just mm-hmm. meh. Yeah. It appears the ages most vulnerable are eleven to seventeen. <laughs> good stretch. Sure, you make it to eighteen, you're safe.
1: Yeah. Except, yeah. Anyway, Sky uh, is still good for two more years.
0: <laughs> oh no, we've already introduced him to role playing games. Where? This is the best one. Public places such as rock concerts. Mm. <laughs> what?
1: I said roll to hit. What? Dude, the, I think they The mosh pit. guy stepped on my figs. What? It's not
0: rock and roll 1d6 per level up to a max of 5d6. <laughs> the epic spell crowd kill. <laughs> Game clubs in communities or at school, private parties at a friend's home. Mm. How? Through black heavy metal music. I don't, I don't know if black heavy metal music is exactly, but that... No, well, there's black metal. Right. Through through fantasy role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons. They even put an R after it reserved. Like, I, I'm glad you, for all your your vitriol towards Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson, I'm glad <laughs> that you uh, are, are at least following their uh, legal reserved there on the uh,
3: oh they're afraid of the lawyers obsessions with movies and
0: videos which have occult themes collecting and researching collecting reading and researching occult books whatever those are Involvement with satanic cults. Okay, if you're looking for a Satanist, I would think involvement in a satanic cult would be yeah. a pretty good war. We finally hit a good warning sign. Right? We're about halfway down here. Uh, yeah. So, right there, I just circled about halfway down. We finally hit something I think is useful. They're Satanists, satanic. Satanists are part if of If you're looking for a there. Satanist, finding a Satanist is a good place to start. <laughs> Some are born into families who practice Satanic cult rituals. Well, yeah, you got to breed your followers. I'm not even sure how that one works. Okay. Two basic principles. This is a new section. Two basic principles apply here. The law of attraction and the law of invitation. I have no idea what this means. Hmm. But what can be expected? Obsession with occult entertainment. Barry said that. (laughs) This is hilarious. Minor to major behavioral disorders. Hmm. Does anyone not have at least a minor behavioral disorder? Well, I'm trying to figure out which
2: teenagers this does not describe. <laughs> a lower class people, people of lower incomes
0: in urban areas committing crimes and status offenses. Now, I want you to note here that the, the well, there you go. They're now, they're now in, in there as well. Hmm. C- committing crimes and status offenses such as running away. Why would people run away? Surely it's D and D. Asaka's home life sucks because D and D, right? grave robbing (laughs) all right where are you gonna get your magical boots (laughs) does anyone know how hard it is to actually open a sealed coffin much less get to up
3: six feet of plus the concrete slab over it if you actually do know and you're sitting at this table don't tell me yeah i don't want to know that about you here's the other ones i say as i stare at (laughs) prodor breaking and entering to
0: steal religious artifacts Or sometimes just stealing small items to prove loyalty to the group. Defacing public or private property using satanic graffiti or related graffiti. I'm not sure what related graffiti is. Like, how is it satanic but related? I I don't know. Threatening to kill oneself or others or self-mutilating. Aggression directed towards families, teachers, and authority figures. Like maybe those that are calling you a Satanist. (laughs) All I wanted was a Pepsi. <laughs> was it Cypress Hill reference? No, not Cypress Hill. So sorry, who is it?
1: Well, I wanted well, well, was a
0: Pepsi. Well, it's it's, it's sampled it. the Hillbilly songs. Yeah. Anyways, um, contempt for organized religion. Once again, for being called a Satanist. Oh, I can't imagine why you'd have one? why you'd be demonstrating some contempt. This one is great. I don't even know what it means. Supremist attitudes, uh, like supremacist attitudes. It, like, it doesn't say supremacist attitude. It says supremist <laughs> attitudes. <It says> <laughs> attitudes. What is that like? Do they mean arrogance, suicidal mm-hmm. tendencies? That's the band.
1: Oh, I th- yeah. I'm like, what? That's not what <laughs> the, the song is institutionalized. Okay. gotcha, gotcha.
0: The, I think they do sample on the Cypress song. This this one's freaking awesome. Kidnapping or assistance in kidnapping. Your teenager, your 11 to 17 year old, is doing criminal kidnapping. I don't think Satanism is the issue here. Well, I mean, they you have to kidnap people to sacrifice. Uh, I, I guess murder. I think you've spotted a murderer. Let's forget the Satanist. I think you've spotted a murderer. If your child is involved in murder, this might be a sign that you need to get involved. Just just, look, guys, I realize everyone hates it when the guy without kids gives parenting advice. (laughs) I'm going to be that guy. If your kid is murdering people... It's you you need to get a hold of your family. Okay. I don't know,
1: Dan. I just don't want to intrude in his private life. I want to give him the <laughs> space for him to grow. Chad,
0: fine when he starts grave robbing <laughs> to show his allegiance to John's method Who knew one knew There was D&D a game. concrete
2: slab in there.
0: <laughs> uh, moving right along. <laughs> it's suicide.
1: <laughs> no. Suicide. I get this <laughs> image of not Brodor questioning Oh, there's a concrete slab. This is a fact I didn't know, but more reenacting
2: digging, (laughs) digging, chunk. Damn it. Who knew there was a concrete slab? There's there's the moment of celebration that the digging is done and you finally hit the coffin and then you realize there's a f***ing concrete slab there. (laughs) I didn't bring a jackhammer. My brother didn't bring a jackhammer. <laughs> the cult didn't bring a jackhammer. Dude, we've
0: already got Satan and witchcraft and spells on our side. Can't we just, like, cast the take that <laughs> <What>? Yeah, <laughs> Tensors floating. Hold some hands, get, get some blood. let stone shape. I'm telling you, most of you should the game. All right, so what can we do? Here we go. Right, this this one's a ton of fun. Burn them at the stake. <laughs> I, no, no, no. Oh, this is this is this is hilarious. Number one. Document all information relating to inc- occult involvement, even if it does not appear relevant. <laughs> so even if you don't know if it's occult activity, just just bring it right. So all I that followed out.
1: this kid who was spray painting. some maybe satanic graffiti to his kidnapping where they were murdering people <laughs> so they could go grave robbing. I have documented this all. I would like to maybe get your opinion. Should I move on
0: this child? <laughs> <Should I? laughs> Here's the best one. <laughs> After all this, I'm reading this in order. So, for anyone who's wondering. Keep an open mind. (laughs) Direct quote, I'm not making this up right there. Wow. After all this, keep an open mind. You ready for an even better one? We're just going to keep building on this. This is just going to keep digging down to the concrete slab. Number three, (laughs) stay objective. (laughs) Mm. Since we haven't gone into hysteric speculation (laughs) and (laughs) overgeneralization, let's stay objective. Think this through reasonably. Number four, never assume that an individual is acting alone until all other information surrounding the case and individual has been fully investigated. (laughs) They've
2: arrested the fighter. All right, where's the wizard? Where's the road? Where is he? (laughs) Which
0: graveyard is he digging in? Uh So you think when we bring the cleric in, I remind him he's lawful good. He's going to take an XP hit. You think he's not going to sing like a bird? Come on, Joey. You think the paladin wants to be stripped of his powers? Give me something I can use, fight or and maybe we can talk to the judge. You, know you the might thief, be tough, but we've got your bard.
2: You otherwise, know the thief is going to backstab you. Otherwise. Well, there's the bard, man. He could not help but friggin' sing, right? So the bard, like, you hear they just hand him his lip. And they're like, so... What happened? Oh, How would my... you get it?
0: You have to tell me the story.
1: <laughs> You're, he, you hear him in the next room over. He's like... Oh, you hear that? Your friend is
2: singing like a bird.
0: <laughs> Robbed a grave. <laughs> really, singing like an angel. It's beautiful. Just shut up a moment. Let me listen. <laughs> Open-minded, <laughs> objective Satanism. Anyway, uh, if the individual's involved in Satan... Okay, <laughs> this, this, this one... About, I'm going to come back to number five. That one gave me a slight stroke. (laughs) Number six, have a team approach. Because God knows nothing helps deal with a problem child quite like ganging up on them. Well, you know, if... That's what every therapist recommends. When you want to talk to somebody, gang up on them. Surround them. Well kidnapping murderer
1: cult that is currently in a graveyard digging up the grave with a jackhammer I'm sending a team in Dan I'm sorry
0: at this point we probably do need to tap XCOM Rainbow 6 I I know seal team 6 I don't know what I mean we will have a
1: negotiator yes but SWAT is going in oh no they're going to just shoot him
0: right these are dangerous kids okay so mind you. We've already gotten through, document everything, suspect there are more people, even if you it's don't have any conspiracy. reason to believe It's the always conspiracy. Yes. Team up on them. Yes. Okay, number seven, and I'm going to back up to my favorite, number five. So number seven is now educate the community so that the potential tragedies a- might be avoided. So spread the fear.
1: Yeah, spread the fear that there's a unknown, unknowing cult grave robbing and kidnapping and right. which, which you which you have...
0: Is and it's based, your children. Which is based purely on su- your subjective interpretation.
1: It's not the football team or the cheerleaders, but it is your children.
3: Yes. It, loner child who doesn't want to talk to people. Let's start spreading the rumors about him.
0: Which, oh, mind you, this loner, by the way, is never acting alone. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's my favorite one. Hey, and and the reason this out. is my Got favorite one, play the reason this is my favorite one is because I actually had to mold this one over for a while. Because it commits so many logical fallacies like this. Seriously, I think this might need to go to the Guinness book world records Mm -hmm. because this may be the most logical fallacies in a single statement I have ever seen. And I actually spent a fair amount of time today trying to figure out which fallacy did I want to pick for it? It was like trying to decide. It's like walking to a grocery store and the shopping list your wife gave you is buy something edible. (laughs) And it's like you're trying to narrow this down to what is the one thing you're going to buy. If the individual is involved in satanic activity, he or she will deny a great deal to protect other members of the group as well as the satanic philosophy. Okay. So in other words, if you ask your kid if they're into satanism Mm -hmm. and they're not, they'll say no, which means they are. Yeah. Okay, now this the, is
1: classic witch
0: hunt McCarthyism type. Yeah, oh, well, uh, let me give you a proper name for it. Just the one I settled on because, like I said, I had a laundry list here mm-hmm. of of logical fallacies for that one statement. But the one I chose, because I decided to be a little bit different, uh, there's two types of logical fallacies, formal and informal. Informal fallacies are those that deal with the content of an argument, okay? So, for example, if I say that... uh because Chad is playing D anD D, he's a Satanist. That's an informal fallacy. Well, not all
1: Satanists. Are so, D&D, whatever the way
0: I say it, right there, it's an informal fallacy yeah. because deals with the content of it, right? A, a formal fallacy deals with the structure of the argument. Okay, so th- this is the tuxedo T-shirt. Of logical fallacies. Oh, they, they do, yes, they, this is a t-shirt for all occasions. You could wear this to a wedding, a funeral, a grave robbing, a kidnapping, a murdering. A police
1: lineup, a, a witch hunt, a show trial. Yeah, any of
0: this stuff.
3: I but, prefer to wear the t-shirt that with the back that says, the bitch fell off.
0: Here's the one that I picked. I, I decided on the formal fallacy of affirming the consequent. And what affirming the consequent means is it's structured like this. If P, then Q. Q is true, therefore P is true. Okay, let me actually now work this out. So if P, then Q. So, for example, if you hand me a hat, that's going to be the P, is you hand me a hat. Okay, then Q, you have handed me a piece of clothing. Okay, so P is the hat, Q is clothing. So if Wayne hands me a hat, then Wayne has handed me a piece of clothing. Q, Wayne has handed me a piece of clothing. Therefore, Pete, therefore, Wayne must have handed me a hat. Now, you can see the nonsense in that. That's right. I gave you a sock. You gave me a sock. A a shirt. You gave me the pants, and I'm telling you to put them back on. In the same way, if someone is a Satanist who wants to hide it, then they will deny it. Therefore, if someone is denying being a Satanist, they must be a Satanist trying to hide it.
1: You got me. I'm a Satanist.
0: (laughs) It's it's called affirming the consequent, and it literally means there is no possible answer because if you say you're not a Satanist, you're a Satanist. If you say you are a Satanist, you're a Satanist, or you're lying about being a Satanist, which I guess makes you a Satanist. Or I,
3: I don't. I don't. I have the whole Monty
0: Python witch witch, witch going in my
3: head right
1: now. <laughs> so anyway, I like the no true Scotsman fallacy.
0: Have you ever heard of that one? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You you explain it?
0: Yeah, yeah. So no true Scotsman basically says. That uh, you require something to be true that is not a part of the definition of the word. Okay, so for example, I'll say something like, um, "You're not a true Christian if you don't wear a hat to church." Mm-hmm. Well, wearing a hat to church has nothing to do with the definition of a Christian, right? So you've you've added in something that, in fact, it actually came from. I don't remember the exact phrase, but it got its name from the phrase "No true Scotman would." Right. It actually came from writing that said that, and then he said something that had nothing to do. A Scotsman is a man from Scotland, right? That's what a Scotsman is, right? So saying no true Scotsman would, like, it's no true Scotsman would ever ride a horse, right? Well, a, that has nothing to do. do with horses being and a Scotsman? scotsman. Yeah, yeah, they're unrelated. So you make something part of the definition that's not part of the definition. You expand, or, or I guess I should say narrow the definition of a word in artificial ways to try and exclude people you don't want in there. Mm -hmm. So anyway, all right. The point of all of this is for those of you that live through this, I want you to feel proud of the fact that we as a hobby through the perseverance of our choices and through the strength of our character have not only gotten past this, but we have grown the hobby beyond this. Like I said, in the last episode, you know, the minds of my parents were changed by seeing the way that you guys interacted and behaved at fear the con by seeing what gaming sunlight is a powerful disinfectant. Okay. Mm -hmm. And by seeing what the truth was about role playing games, what the stuff really was, you know, they came to realize what this stuff was all about. And, you know, if you weren't part of this, then I want you to understand this is a part of the heritage of the hobby that you exist in. This is how it was birthed. You know, it came from war games to role playing games And it was not many years after becoming a role playing game that this kind of insanity broke out and it took a good 15 to 20 years to subside. And as of me talking, there are still people that are dealing with this to some degree in some places, though I am pleased to say it's not nearly what it was. I can go to church now and I can tell people openly, I don't make a huge issue out of it, but I can go and I can say in the middle of church, I play role playing games and people just don't care. I mean, it right. just, it doesn't phase them the way it once did. And I hope that the one thing that you guys will take away from this is please examine your own beliefs about things in life, the things you encounter that you don't understand or can't get behind or whatever, and try to understand them in the way that people, unfortunately, didn't try to understand us. And I would ask once again, I realize this is a topic that has many cultural Political and religious elements, but please do not take this as open season. Fear of the Boot still wants to talk about role playing games. We don't want to get into attacking or proselytizing a worldview. That's not what we're about. So please, please, please do not take this as permission to go haywire on our forums or Facebook page because we will deal with that as we always would have. You're free to say it if it's relevant and polite, but please keep it relevant. And polite. So thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games. And we will catch you next time.
1: Hail Satan! Sacko!
0: This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.